Hey, you're listening to Just Say the Word. I'm your host, Erin Sanchez, and this is a storytelling podcast. In every episode, you'll hear a story from me or my guests from around the world. Then we'll encapsulate a key lesson from that story in just one word you can apply in your own life or business. If you're an entrepreneur looking to get inspired and make your mark on the world, you're in the right place. Your story is your legacy, and I want to help you tell it better. Visit candidlyerin.com for more writing, communications, and personal branding advice. Hey everyone, today's guest is Miha Motliowski. I hope I said that correctly. I practiced it beforehand. Um, Miha is a fail coach and a mentor who helps entrepreneurs build profitable, sustainable six-figure businesses. With his framework for freedom method, he also makes it his mission to bring awareness to mental health and entrepreneurship. I've had a chance to talk to Miha about this a little bit before we started recording, and I'm really excited to share his insights with all of you. Thank you for being on today, Miha. Well. Hello, Erin, and uh, it's a huge pleasure to be invited to be a guest on your show, so thank you for doing that, and uh, yeah, um, let's see how much value I can bring to your audience. Well, I already know a lot, because we had about a 10-minute conversation before I hit record, and I thought, oh my gosh, I've got to be recording this, so um, (laughs) I'm excited. So, one of the things that I, I know about you, but I don't know the whole story, is about your journey into entrepreneurship, and um, I know you call yourself a fail coach, so can you kind of just give us a little taste of where that came from? Yes, I'll, I'll try to be as short as possible. That's Mind fine. you, yeah. this is like a 23-year-old uh, story, so you can't do it in three minutes, but right. I'll do my best. And then you dive into whichever part you would prefer for us to continue with that. Uh, so I kind of fell into the entrepreneurship thing because my father had a small business, family business, uh, and my uncle was an entrepreneur as well. So I was kind of, you know, uh, growing up in the whole entrepreneurial spirit. And uh, when I was 17, I dropped out of high school and um, I joined my father's company and I worked there for a few years. Um, but I was more or less just son by occupation. My parents really loved me and I had this wonderful and perfect childhood where I never had to do much or, you know, uh, prove myself to anybody or anything. And they would just keep telling me how amazing I am and how smart I am and so on. And this, this will be very important for later on. Um, but then, Unfortunately, you know, all good things must come to an end. Uh, My father was diagnosed and died from cancer in about three weeks' time. And that was when I was 23. Uh, My mom was just uh, working in a bank. Uh, I was the only child working at the company, and I kind of took over. Uh, But in the years that I was working there, I never really learned much about, you know, what it is to run a company, finances, cash flow, employees, none of that. And uh, very soon things went down. Uh, Like uh, in just a few months, that company was almost bankrupted. But at that time, I was very lucky. I found a few people. They saw something in me, in my capabilities to, you know, connect with people, network and do sales. Uh, They offered to help me out. Uh, they bought uh, a majority share away from me and uh, put some money in and they, they started running the company and I was just head of sales or 
however that could be called. Um, and things really picked up. I was doing 150, 200% year over year more in, in sales. And, you know, soon life was good again. Um, money, partying, uh, fancy hotels, good restaurants, you name it. Um, and I was free to be creative again. And I always saw a lot of opportunities, you know, wherever I go, I see plenty of opportunities for entrepreneurship. And uh, I came up with a few new ideas and I didn't want to start them within that company because I had the majority share anymore. So I just started creating my own companies. Unfortunately, I didn't, I wasn't aware at that time that a company needs a solid foundation, just like a house. And I didn't know what foundation is and how you actually build that. Um, but things were really doing well for me. And uh, the companies were all going to seven, some even to eight figures. One was in real estate doing, I was an investor in a multi $10 million uh, project and, and so on. Um, and I thought like, I'm, really really amazing at entrepreneurship but the thing was that at that time in europe uh, that was before the financial crisis in 2009 well for you guys in in the us it was in 2008 but then um, it took a bit to come to europe um, everything was booming and i didn't saw that you know um, mm. i didn't saw that the macroeconomic situation was that good i mean now looking back i can't remember a single company going bankrupt at that time but at that time, you know, I just saw that as, wow, I'm amazing. I'm good. And I became very self-confident. I think probably at that time, I considered myself to be King Midas. You know, whatever I touch turns <laughs> into gold or something close to that. Um, but like I mentioned, there was no foundation in, in the company. You know, nothing like systems, processes, KPIs, benchmarking, brand story, company culture, HR structure, nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and the way I usually explain it is with the story of, you know, the three little pigs and the wolves. Um, my companies were basically that, that house made out of straws. Mm -hmm. And so when the financial crisis came with the first little wind, the whole thing was just domino effect. And it started with that real estate company because the prices of real estate dropped so significantly that my project would if I would even end it and I was in the middle of building it, um, I would just create huge loss. Um, and so one Monday morning, December 7th, 2009, I got a call from the bank and they said, we are out. And because all my other companies and all my personal network was tied into that project as a collateral, um, they just started... Um, I don't know. I mean, we have this special financial instrument in Europe where the bank can just start closing everything that you own. Uh, you, you can pre-approve them to do that if you can't return the loan. And at that time, I wasn't able. I mean, I was in the middle of the project. And so next day, Tuesday, I was not just bankrupted. Um, like my personal network before this happened was around 15 million US. So I lost that. I lost all my companies, everything, and I still and I ended up five million dollars in personal debt, and wow. because of an another few laws, uh, again in Europe, if uh, if you can't pay 
paychecks, uh, if you can't pay taxes, and because everything happened so suddenly, you can't do personal bankruptcy. And so in the beginning, I wasn't really aware of what happened. And I, uh, and I, you know, I was like, I can solve this. Um, I don't know how I came up with that idea, but that's what I thought. <laughs> and then, you know, as the weeks went by, uh, phone calls from people I owed money to and companies I owed money to became, you know, uh, less nicer uh, to the point where it was like almost mafia calling me, you know, like, we'll do this and this to you if, if you don't pay us. And me uh, slowly figuring out, oh, I might not be able to solve this. And it was only a few weeks later when it really hit me what happened to me. Um, at that time, I also, because of this, I got divorced. Uh, and uh, most of my friends from the life before that failure uh, were, you know, people that I met through, I don't know, Rotary Club, Cigar Club, this club, that club. And I thought those people were my true real friends. But it ended up not being so. And those were the first people who never answered my phone calls again. So I really ended up all alone. Uh, and it was very, very dark time. And uh, every day I would wake up to calls from, you know, debtors and, and so on. So most of the time I was like permanently 24-7 in huge, severe depression, anxiety, stress. And, you know, little by little, everything became just dark within me. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I started thinking like, okay, I used all the good moments. I guess in your life you have, you know, good times and bad at times i used all the good time and now it's just this from now on it's this darkness no goals no dreams no nothing no idea how to how life will ever be any better it's just gonna be suffering and depression and all of that um and you know life stops having meaning and and so on and so uh the idea of suicide kind of floats by and, and then, you know, it's, it's more and more appealing. And I mean, I'm just trying to fast forward. I mean, there's a lot that I could be talking here about emotions and the negative self-talk. And maybe we can return back to that, that if you think that that could be beneficial for your audience to hear, but I'm trying to fast forward to the, you know, the happy ending as well, because <laughs> the story does have a happy ending. Right. Um, so a few months later, um, um, I was more and more contemplating suicide, more and more being close to it, more and more researching what to do, how to do it. And then one evening, it was around 11 p.m., I was on the balcony on, on, in my apartment, which will be taken away in a few weeks. And um, I just climbed on the other side of the balcony and I was literally just holding myself with one hand and I was like, like 45 degrees leaning over already. It was just like, I think I was a few seconds away from that. And at that moment, um, I, I, I dropped the F-bomb on myself. And, you know, I, I, I said for the first time, really, you really failed at, at this. You, you know, you made so many mistakes. Uh, and it was the first time when I really considered that I did something wrong. Because, you know, that perfect childhood, Mm -hmm. uh, I, I was convinced that whenever something good happens to me, that's all my fault. But when something bad, it must be somebody else's fault because, you know, then how can I be that perfect child if I can do something wrong? I can't. Um, and, and that, that kind of haunted me throughout my life, pretty much that perfect childhood. And that, that, would my, that was my adversity situation. Mm -hmm. um, 
and uh, yeah you know in movies when people are about to die how they show this movie going back well for me it wasn't so much a movie it was just flashes of, of moments you know like you employed this person you took on this project you decided not to go to a lawyer for this contract you partnered with this company or that person it was you 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 and and really for the first time i started owing my own mistakes but then the liberating or the aha moment was if I change, if I grow, if I learn, if I, you know, change habits and so on, I can do even better. And that's when, you know, that light kind of started shining again on the other side of a very huge tunnel because there was a lot of things I needed to do and change and, and so on. But I climbed back in, I sat down at the table, I started writing down everything that I need to do. And then um, I went on this long journey of business development, self-development. It took me a few years of really working on myself, on, on, on my business skills and, and, you know, the hard skills and the soft skills and all of that and, and learning about foundations and systems and uh, all of that. Before, in 2014, I then created a startup it was an energy efficiency startup helping big corporations save on how much electricity and gas they use. And we had a really unique approach uh, at that time. We were the only ones in the world doing it in a, in a way we did it with using a lot of technology that other competitors were not using. Um, and um, I was able to scale that company from zero to multiple eight figures in monthly revenue in just nine and a half months. Wow. And, uh, and and then to nine figures next year. And then I had a very successful exit uh, because of the systems, because of the processes and all of that. I was able to walk away on day one and I was able to repay all my past debts, debts which by that time accumulated with interest and so on to almost 7 million. And uh, yeah, then I was thinking like, what do I do now? And uh, all of a sudden... Um, you know, companies started calling me and, and startup incubators and business schools and so on. You know, if I could come and talk and mentor and, and teach and so on. And the more I was doing that, the more I was loving it. It, it was like this new level of, of happiness, you know. One thing is when you do something for yourself, but then when you help others, when you create leaders, when you help others to, you know, live the life of freedom and so on that's so much more fulfilling and i decided that i don't want to create another company on my own but i want to help entrepreneurs uh, i mean i i think i can help others as well but you know i just don't know maybe the vocabulary i i never was an athlete i never was working in a corporate environment and i don't know you know the exact feelings and, and so on, but I was an entrepreneur all my adult life, so I can really resonate with entrepreneurs. And so, yeah, that's how um, I started being coach, mentor, advisor, teacher, you name it. I mean, sometimes, you know, uh, I, I think uh, I'm even a marriage counselor when, you know, <laughs> the two or three co-founders don't agree. And then, yeah, we literally have like marriage counseling. It's not business coaching, but, you know, uh, all good. It always comes with the job, uh, trying to help people. And uh, yeah, one day I was sitting with a friend, having a few beers, 
And, you know, how do I name now this? You know, now I have to create a company. How do I name it? Um, and he said the smartest thing. He said, like, you constantly tell us, everybody, how important it is to have healthy emotional relationship with failure. How on the road to success, you will fail a lot of times. You have to, you know, overcome obstacles and, and all of that. And the better your relationship with failure is the quicker you can bounce back try more and succeed faster uh, you constantly tell us how everything that you've learned or all the biggest lessons come from the biggest failures that you had and why wouldn't you just be the fail coach and i don't know whether it was the beer or what but i really <laughs> love the idea i went online on the spot um uh, registered the domain name and honestly I never looked back and the more interviews I do the more I talk about the whole concept of what fail coach is and, and you know what do we do and how do we do it the more I love uh, uh, the whole uh, uh, brand name and the more I'm sure that I really chose the right name for what I yeah, no, I think it's fantastic. And it, you know, it's provocative for one. So people are like, wait, I want to know why would I work with a failed coach, right? So there's that, which is, which is a smart, you know, branding move in itself. But I love the idea that just going back earlier in your story, when you said um, that you, it was like failing was the moment that you started taking responsibility for the outcomes in your life, whether good or bad. And you realized in that moment that that you got to decide um, what direction things went. You weren't just floating along and uh, life was kind of deciding for you what it was going to hand you, right? And, and that destiny was um, partially, at least, in your hands. So I think that's a super powerful lesson for all entrepreneurs is to know that um, if, we, if we win, then yes, we were you know, hopefully responsible for that win, but also if we fail, the fact that we're responsible for that failure means we get to change it. So that's like just this powerful mindset shift, I think, around the idea of failing. Um, so no, thank you absolutely. for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, being an entrepreneur, I mean, if you want to be an entrepreneur and the bigger you want to go. So, I mean, you know, if you just want to be a five, six figure entrepreneur, you don't need huge foundation. You don't need a huge system. I mean, that would be an overkill and it would cost even, you know, too much overhead. So based on what you want, that's how you need to prepare the foundation and the system and, and all of that. Uh, but the thing is that the bigger you want to go, the more you have to be basically in control in the driver's seat, you can't achieve something by being passive. It doesn't mm -hmm. work that way. And, and, then, and, and then another thing is when you want to achieve something great, something big, you will have to push yourself outside of the comfort zone. Nothing magical ever happens in the comfort zone. We all know that. I mean, mm -hmm. every second self-help book will tell you that. I mean, it's not rocket science. Um, and, you know, if, if you want to push yourself out, outside of the comfort zone, that means that you're doing things that you are uncomfortable with, that you're doing for the first time, um, that you are scared, that you fear, and so on. And, of course, the likelihood of you failing, I think it's greater than just 50-50 chance. I think it's like 90-10 that, you know, most likely you will probably fail in your first, second attempt. 
And that's why it's so, so important um, to know how to deal with failure because it will happen more often than the successes. But then the more failure you go through, the bigger the success on the other side, and it will be more than uh, uh, enough to cover up for all the failures and add some to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people often ask me nowadays, okay, so haha, you're the fail coach, you know, so what? You want to say that now you never fail again, you've learned it all? And I said, no. Absolutely not. I fail more than I ever failed before. And if I don't fail for a few days, that scares me because, you know, it it means that I'm not going for my big dreams. I'm not pursuing my big purpose. Um, It means that I'm, you know, um, slacking off, being lazy, being in my comfort zone. So if I don't fail for a few days, that's scary. But it's, it's, it's the mindset, you know, how I look at failure that has shifted in in the opposite direction and I embrace failure because I really take failure for what it is, a learning lesson, another milestone before the success. The less things that don't work, I I eliminate, the closer I am to finding what will work. Yeah, no, that's so absolutely true. And um, I just wanted to focus on that word failure as um, it has so many different definitions. And a couple of those are, I think, most pertinent to your story is a lack of success or to fall short. If somebody feels like, if they came to you and they were like, my business is failing, obviously that can mean so many things. What's like one of the first questions that you would ask somebody? about that failure? Like what would you kind of prompt them with? Well, basically we first go to the business development uh, stage. So, you know, uh, do we have the product market fit? Is it validated? Okay, that's check. Okay, what's the client journey? What's the communication strategy? What's the brand story that we're trying to communicate? Is all of that aligned with, you know, the audience we're trying to serve and so on. So it's really just basic business development stuff that, I recheck. So whenever I work with a client, when I'm working with, you know, seven, eight, nine figure entrepreneurs, uh, the first thing I do is, is a very thorough due diligence, but not just financial due diligence on the cash flow management, but also, you know, due diligence on their business model and, and the business development. And um, are, are they employing the right employees? Are those employees, uh, you know, aligned with, with, uh, uh, the brand and and the company culture because that can be a huge problem and then you know um do like a lot of companies they hire a lot of junior people but then there's no plan on how to get them to the media or senior level at which they would have to be and then of course you don't have the results that you are expecting and so on so we just go through the whole business development stuff and we always find what's missing and what's not working Mm. That's great. Yeah, that's a good first step for anybody, I think, is just to revisit and take a really close look at what they're doing. I mean, in all honesty, when when your business is not doing and performing what you are expecting, so either not growing, you hit a plateau, or it's, you know, declining or whatever, you always have to go back to the basics and recheck the basics. Mm -hmm. It it, it doesn't work any other way. That's why, uh, you know, I started this whole framework for freedom thing where I work with people who are new to entrepreneurship 
because I don't like being the aspirin pill guy, you know? Um, oh, I have a headache. Well, here, have an aspirin. You know, I'm always trying to eliminate the root cause. And if you mm -hmm. want to eliminate the root cause, you always have to go back to basics. And that's what I do with my high-end clients. But then I thought, okay, if I work with new entrepreneurs and I help them lay down all the right things from the start, they won't need me later on. And that, that's what motivated me. I mean, most of my coaching friends, they were like, why would you do that? You know, like working with new people, they're fighting so many, you know, inner mm -hmm. issues and inner demons and, and, and you have so many mindset things and, and beliefs and, and, and this and that. Uh, uh, why would you do that? You know, and of course you can't charge the same money that you charge to the eight, nine figure businesses, but right. it's, it's really just, my passion i mean um you know um i really love what i'm doing and uh i think by doing this i'm helping more people actually go for their dreams before you know they do some wrong steps in the beginning uh, because in the beginning you are very fragile you know and if you don't have a huge 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 why and hunger you're very likely to just give up you know after a few setbacks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's very, very true. I'm in that space to some degree, not doing exactly what you do, but, you know, just with um, guiding around like online marketing and stuff for, you know, newer and aspiring entrepreneurs and you hit the nail on the head. There's so much there that keeps them from even taking a step that someone's laid out for them completely because of mindset stuff a lot of the time, right? And you and I were talking about earlier, a big one for me and one that you used to struggle with, or maybe still struggle with, I don't want to, you know, make assumptions, but is um, procrastination. And I think that is one, well, I know it's always been one of my, my po most popular blog posts with people is around procrastination. And I have like a mini course around it that people sign up for. So I know it's a big one for, you know, newbie entrepreneurs. Tell us a little bit about your past struggles with procrastination and some of those awesome tips you shared with me to get over it. Well, I mean, I could go on a on a huge long <laughs> story about this because you know, I like I really I probably was um, the most procrastinating person in the world and and the most lazy one as well, which is good because if you're lazy, you are very good at delegating and creating systems <laughs> right. and processes. So that's a very good thing and a positive thing. Uh, but but yeah, procrastination, like oh boy, um, and. Um, I was trying to, you know, figure out a, a cure, a magical cure. I don't know, like I will read a book and, and everything will suddenly, you know, there will be this big aha moment and my life will change and I will go from procrastination ninja to, you know, just execution ninja or whatever you want to call that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the more I was diving into that, I was like, but I think I bought like every app on the app store for Mac and iPad and iPhone uh, that has something to do with getting things done to use uh, project management. I think like I bought all of them. Um, I bought probably half of what Amazon offers in books and, and uh, uh, programs on that. And then 
Um, I've done many programs, uh, courses, like anything, and nothing was helping me. And then I even dived into more Zen thinking and, um, you know, oh, maybe mindfulness will help me. And, and, you know, the whole meditation and Buddhism and all of that to the point where I actually visited a, a Zen temple and a Zen master to try and talk with that guy. And, and, and he actually accepted me to come for a consultation. And I was there for about three hours. And I was like full of theory and just sharing everything with that guy. He was just there quietly listening to me, not commenting. And I was just going on and on and on. Like, I know this and I know that, but then I still don't do this. And like, what's wrong with me? And, and like, you know, is there a magic cure for me? And just he at the end he said Mika, like just you know what go back home and take a post-it note a sticky note and just write a simple one task on it and then go and do it and then when you're done with that have a ritual something fun and then you know take another post-it and go do that one <laughs> and yeah that that's how i solved it i mean there's plenty of more things you know but because you know sometimes you wake up and you don't feel like doing things. And sometimes you wake up and you're full of energy. Uh, so, you know, based on that, I would either start with something easy in the morning to and slowly build up the momentum, or I will start with, you know, the biggest task. And, you know, it's also very important to have a right, I mean, it helps to have a good morning ritual, you know, maybe a good music that pumps you up or, you know, I love to watch TED Talks while I'm having my coffee. Uh, TED Talks that inspire me and so on. And that gets me in a more, you know, productive, creative mood. And then um, I also learned from myself, if I don't have clarity on what my next step should be and clarity how, you know, my few next steps will get me to the milestone, um, then I, it's very hard for me to motivate myself. Um, also, if I set goals that are too far in the future, it's very hard for me to connect with them because they're such, so distant. So I, you know, I break them down into milestones like quarterly goals, monthly goals, weekly goals. And then I have these weekly sprints and, and so on. So there's plenty of techniques that I then, you know, I mean, reading all those books and doing all that stuff wasn't a bad thing. I just, you know, never... Uh, understood how to apply all of that and then all of a sudden when that zen master kicked me in the ass um, all that knowledge uh, came very valuable to me because you know oh I can take this from David Allen's uh, uh, get things done and I can take this from Stephen Covey's seven habits of successful people and I can take this from you know, this app and, and this idea from that app. And, oh, yeah, the Pomodoro technique is, is very similar uh, to, to what, you know, the, the small attempt, uh, this uh, sticky note and, and so on. So, you know, suddenly things started to, to, to make sense and then combining them and then, you know, being mindful. Uh, so whenever, so being mindful, not, not the mindful meditation. I mean, mindful meditation is amazing, but just being mindful throughout the day. And when you see that you are kind of uh, having this conversation, this inner monologue where, you know, oh, I should be doing this right now, but hmm, maybe I can watch another series, you know, of Friends or, or something. <laughs> I mean, I did watch it already a hundred times, but, you know, like maybe 
I, I didn't saw this episode uh, nine, just 99 times and so on. <laughs> uh, and, and then, you know, catching yourself and then emotional intelligence is very important, uh, you know, soft skill. Um, because most of the time, you know, it's uh, when you're procrastinating and something, it's, it's usually connected with emotions, but then the solutions are really to switch the emotions off because emotions cloud your vision and turn on the logic. But, it, you know, it takes a lot of practice to be able to do that. Mindfulness definitely helps breathing techniques uh, to distance yourself from the current moment, to not switch on the autopilot, to actually be in the driver's seat. Um, and then practicing delayed gratification. That's a huge one, you know? Uh, because um, if, if uh, I mean, everybody knows Tony Robbins. I don't know which book that was. I think it was Power Within, Power Something, Giant. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's been a long time since I read it. Uh, but one of Tony Robbins' books, talks about how we actually are guided by two things, desire and pain. So we go towards desire and we run away from pain. And then he says, well, you know, what usually is pain on the short run or desire on the short run is the vice versa on the long run. I don't know, let's say smoking, you know, like right now, if you, if you light a cigarette, if you're a smoker, that brings you a certain desire ease whatever it is mm -hmm. you know but on the long run smoking it's probably not that good for you so um you know delayed gratification is all about that you know so not, uh, so not doing things that are desirable at this moment like you know sitting on the couch watching friends but you know doing things that will bring you desire on the longer run but of course, you know, you can't always just think about the longer run. You still have to live in the now by Ed Cartole. So, you know, a bit of balancing between, you know, the now and, and, and what will help, what will, uh, help you on, on the uh, long run and so on. So it's a little bit of back and forth between all of that. And you do have to make some compromises. And sometimes, you know, you have to just say, you know, effort. And, and, and do something that feels right in that moment. And, you know, there are days when, you know, it's, when you wake up and it's a, it's, it's, it's a terrible day. And then I say to myself, you know what? I'm going to have the best possible bad day. I'm going <laughs> to make it a Micha day, you know? And I do everything that I super enjoy. And you know what? The thing is, after maybe an hour or two of doing things that are super enjoyable, I change my mood. And before I even know it, I'm running around doing tasks. Yeah, uh, that's that's a really important point. There is a couple. So I just want to touch on a couple of things because you gave so many great pieces of advice. And as a someone who called themselves a queen of procrastination for a long, long time, <laughs> I can really relate. And it took me years to kind of come to that same conclusion that you talked about. There is no silver bullet. It's just a combination of all of these little things that are maybe going to be a challenge forever, but you have to just be really aware and mindful of it. But one of the things that I love that you said, and is something I've more recently learned is when you wake up, whatever your mood is kind of dictating, if you feel really, really ambitious that day, then start with something that you might not tackle on a day where you wake up not feeling so ambitious. And I think that's really important is just kind of being in tune with what do I feel like, what's my motivation level today just naturally as I wake up? And let that kind of dictate whether you start with little small I mean, bite-sized things or take Aaron, a big the, one. Mm -hmm. The thing is, this is where mindfulness kicks in, you yeah. know? 
of being mindful, I can, I can step away from the current moment and look at the past. Mm-hmm. And in the past, I probably tried forcing myself into doing something huge. Mm-hmm. And that always didn't work. Yeah. So why would I keep on doing what I already know isn't working? So if, if for me, it works to gradually kick it up a notch and, and throughout the day build the momentum to eventually, you know, caught up with the big things as well. And that's the way to do it. Then why wouldn't I do that? But, you know, often we try to do things on autopilot. And, you know, usually when you feel uh, less good, you try to do the biggest things and it might not be how you work the best. Mm-hmm. And it's all about really figuring out what, what's your best way to tackle those to still be um, productive in, in, yeah. in that moment. Totally. No, I, that makes so much sense. And, and it's kind of the same thing for the other piece that you described that I really like, which is if you're in a really bad place and you're in a funk, then maybe you just give in and say, well, I love how you put it. You said, I'm going to have the best bad day. Right. And, and kind of give into that feeling and say, Hey, I'm going to like nurture my, my needs right now. And after you do that for a little while, a lot of the time your mood will pick up. And like, for me anyway, I start to feel kind of antsy and I'm like, well, now I'm, now I feel good. Now I want to go do something and achieve, you know, accomplish something. So, uh, so much, so much good advice there, Miha. Thank you so much for, I mean, there's plenty of more of, you know, like little things that, that you can put together, but, um, yeah, there, there is no magical thing at the end of the day. I mean, like the thing is procrastination, Nation is one of the inner demons, you know, we all have these inner demons. Uh, and, you know, for somebody, it might be procrastination, imposter syndrome, fear of failure, fear of success. I mean, you know, like there's plenty of them. And these demons, they don't just go away. You have to fight them and right. you have to be consistent and they never go away. But the more you fight them, the stronger you become. And the weaker they become, the more easy it is for you to overcome them. And I know for myself, for example, all I have to do is do is pick up the first post-it note from the desk. Once I do that, and once I finish it, and then I do my happy dance and my happy song. I mean, I actually did a Facebook Live, I think like two years ago, where I actually, you know, showed my happy dance and happy song and and how I then do a mag, uh, a Magic Johnson kind of, you know, crumbling that post-it note and throwing it in the bin like an NBA player and so <laughs> on. But um, yeah, that, that, you know, that fires, that gets me in that good mood. And then, you know, all of a sudden, like, I'm, oh, I want to do another one. I want to do another one. And, and you know, I'm, I'm just running around doing stuff. All I have to do is kick my ass for the first one in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 it's, you know, easier and easier, but it, it's not easy on day two or day three. It takes weeks, months, depending on how big of a procrastinator you were to start with. It mm-hmm. takes time to build um, that, uh, to fight that demon. Yeah. And to build new habits and, and that ritual, yeah. that celebration really helps. I mean, I, I love your description. I don't do that, but I think it's a great idea to shoot, to shoot your um, post-it note, your accomplished task into the garbage. Um, but I love your celebration. And I think it's really important that we do something to, 
you know, yeah, whatever, whatever it is. Celebrate. Yeah, no, that's yeah. awesome. And before we wrap up the episode, I, because we were talking about this and I know I have a lot of um, dog lovers who are listeners and it just spoke to me, like truly um, spoke to my heart. I wanted to ask you about, so going back to earlier in the story, you were talking about the challenges that you had with um, falling into a depression and just different, like you, you help entrepreneurs with um, mental health awareness. Tell us about your pups and kind of um, why you, like what role they played in kind of helping you with your mental health challenges. Well, I mean, that was already after my suicide attempts mm-hmm. and, and after I had the aha moment and I already started you know, rebuilding myself little by little. But the thing was, you know, at that point, I didn't have much self-love and every step was not easy to do. And I mean, it, it, it was quite exhausting, you know, just to go from day to day and keep working on myself and, and then do something to just make ends meet day by day, week by week. I mean, there were months where all I had was like just a few bucks a week and, and I would just buy you know, bunch of potatoes or, or a bag of rice and, and really just no sauce, no nothing and just cook that rice and eat that rice. So it wasn't, it really wasn't easy. Um, but, uh, and it was hard to, you know, keep yourself up. But then at one point, um, things started to pick up a little bit. I started making a little bit more money. And there was this one lady that I really fancied and, and she was big in, in you know, animal rescue and shelters and so on and i I really i I adopted that dog you know i thought oh maybe then she will come and visit us every day (laughs) that didn't happen but you know uh i i i I rescued my my little angel um you know because uh then we we were going out for walks i was mingling more with people i was meeting other dog lovers and dog owners and i was more social and I really loved, loved, loved him. You know, I mean, he's still with me. His name is Happy. That, that's what the shelter named him. Um, and, and he really brought much happiness into my life. And at one point, you know, I still didn't love myself enough. I wasn't taking good care of myself. You know, what food do I eat? Do I do this? Do I do that? You know, my focus was just to solve that financial struggle, but I was lacking on all other aspects of you know any kind of life balance and the more i spent time with him uh the more you know i was loving the guy and uh, um at one point it crossed my mind oh my god like you know uh he's a mix mixes live you know 15 20 years and i'm 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 doing so terribly with with you know how i treat myself my body and i was like why i mean and I buy him and I cook for him all the best food and all of that. That's how, you know, the whole monologue started because he went, when we were outside, he went to and, and uh, found uh, an old pizza slice. And I was yelling at him, like, why do you do that? I cook for you. I buy you steak and this and that. Like, what's wrong with you? And then it <laughs> hit me, you know, like, but I mean, you order pizza. So you go to McDonald's, you do like awful stuff to yourself. And, and now you're yelling at this, you know, uh, dog because he just had, you know, a bite of pizza. And that's when I realized, yeah, that I love him more than I love myself. But then that love for him, I need to start taking care of myself if I want to be the best possible dog, dad, preneur for my pup. 
And um, slowly, as I was working more on a real life balance, healthy life balance, and, and so on, uh, the more I started really loving myself. I mean, now I have no problems with you know, taking good care of myself, loving myself, and so on. But it was because of him that that happened, and, and a few other things. And whenever somebody tells me, oh, he's so lucky, you saved him. Like, I didn't save him. I mean, yes, maybe a little bit, but, you know, he saved my life. Like, he will always be my, you know, guardian angel, my number one angel. I love that so much. When you when you told me that, and then you mentioned that you had four dogs, and I have four dogs, I just thought, we have to share this, because um, <laughs> I spoke to another um, woman on my podcast several episodes ago, and she said, oh, absolutely, my dog is my why, like, I need to feed her the best food, you know, it was similar to what you were saying, and, and from there, it's just always been this... Um, question that I ask people about their dogs, um, entrepreneurs about their dogs, like, what role does your dog play in your, in your life, in your business, you know, and it's, it's always more impactful, I think, than maybe non-dog people um, realize from the outside, but I had to ask you, so thanks for sharing that with our audience. <laughs> um, I'm always happy to talk about my dogs. I mean, if you get me started on that, we can record <laughs> this for the next five days easily. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And then add my stories about my dogs. We'll be on here for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Miha, thank you so much. I feel like there's just so much value here. People should be taking notes with this episode. I certainly have notes over here. Um, I can't wait to promote this. Is there anything that you want to share with our audience in terms of like where they can find you, your website, social media stuff? I'm very easy. So if, if they want to follow my content, I try to give as much value as I can. The easiest way is uh, my Facebook or my LinkedIn. All they have to do is they just Google fail coach and you know, I'm the only fail coach in the world. So uh, everything that they will find will guide them towards some type of, you know, my content and they can easily follow that. But if they, if they want to meet me as in person as possible and have a chat with me and, uh, you know, um, they have certain struggles that I can help them with, I love giving back to the entrepreneurial community. And, uh, you know, I can't do it one-on-one -on -one with everybody, uh, but every week, uh, two, three, four times, sometimes depending on how free I am, I open up my Zoom client and I invite people to jump in. It's not recorded. It's, you know, no, not spammy, not salesy. It's really just me giving back to the community uh, and giving them as much value as I can with quick, actionable steps, advice that they can take away straight away and, you know, implement and see huge results. Um, and uh, they can just go to frameworkforfreedom.me um, that will just take them into my chatbot. I promise we never spam. I hate spam. Really, really, really hate it. Um, so literally, they will just be notified. Um, they, they will have the calendar link there. So when I post, you know, when my next few Zoom sessions will be, they can click, they can check uh, if something is okay for them because I have very international audience. So I try to do something for, you know, Southeast Asia and Australia, something for Europe, something for the U S. So I'm trying to mix those time zones a little bit. They can check that they can apply. Um, and, and then, you know, Calendly will do the whole reminding them via email and, and so on so that they don't miss it. 
and yeah the best way to do is just yeah it's it's you know not recorded nothing uh, saves space for everybody to you know they can ask whatever they want and sometimes i mean one time we had a session that started at i think it was 7 p.m my time and it went over to 6 a.m oh my gosh oh my goodness. yeah it was il- like 11 hours but we had so much fun Wow. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it was an, like, I tried to be as long as I can, as you know, like really, really, uh, it's something that I'm deeply passionate about. I really, really love giving back to the community, helping as much as I can. So um, if they want, they can take me up on this offer. And I think that's the best way um, for them. But if they don't like to do that, then of course, uh, just Google fail coach and then whatever your preferred uh, social media platform is, um, just follow there. And I try to, again, give as much. Like a few years ago, I found this quote by Albert Einstein, and it's very simple. It just says, uh, rather than trying to become a man of success, be a man of value. And Mm. ever since, it's stuck in my head, and every single day I follow that quote as much as I can. Yeah, no, it definitely sounds like it. And your um, your group calls or your open office hours or whatever you call them, it sounds amazing. I'll make sure to provide the links to the social channels and that where people can join you and, and um, pick your brain um, in the show notes. And again, thank you so much for, for being on today and being so open um, with all of your valuable advice and, and your personal story. It was absolutely my pleasure. And I I hope your audience will, I mean, it's hard to, you know, give more in, 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 in a short time frame mm-hmm. and, and talk about the story as well. So I hope it was valuable. I hope they find something uh, of good value here. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me. It was uh, really nice talking with you. Yeah, wonderful speaking with you too, Miha. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe and tell your friends. If you want to learn better branding and communication skills or more about this podcast, please visit www.candidlyerin.com or just say the word podcast.com. You can also find me everywhere on social media at candidlyerin and make sure to use the hashtag just say the word in your social media posts so I can see your stories of resilience, transformation, and lessons learned because your story matters. Remember, Your story is your legacy. Everybody has a story and the world should hear yours.